She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. You guys, I'm so excited to be doing some short clips each day with some of the health and fasting questions that you guys ask us all the time. These are going to be very short episodes answering very specific questions. Most of the time we have long episodes with one guest, but now I'm going to be answering some of your short individual questions. Enjoy. Welcome to our episode, and we are so excited. We have Dr. Jack Wolfson, and we're going to be talking about intermittent fasting again. Uh, Dr. Jack Wolfson, talk a little bit about your, uh, a little bit about you. For people who don't know about you, give us a little brief introduction and tell us about your personal experience with intermittent fasting and fasting. Sure thing, Chantel. Pleasure to be on with you. Yes, I'm Dr. Jack Wolfson. I'm a board-certified cardiologist. I spent four years in medical school, three years internal medicine training, three years of cardiology, and then 10 years on the job as a hospital-based cardiologist performing angiograms and pacemakers and all the high-tech cardiology stuff. And along the way, I would meet the woman who would become my wife. She is a doctor of chiropractic. Uh, she says a doctor of cause. And she encouraged me to do the same and really opened up my eyes to holistic heart health and wellness. And... Uh, that's where I am right now as a practicing holistic cardiologist in a solo practice in Paradise Valley, Arizona. People from all over the world, of course, fly out for the best in heart health care. Now, to answer your question as far as you know, me in particular in fasting, uh, I've tried a lot of different things. I've tried uh, water fasting. I've done dry fasting. I've done uh, juice fasting. Uh, and most recently, I guess I've, I've, I've done carnivore fasting. And I don't know if this is really a thing because I guess it really isn't a fast because... <laughs> Again, we are eating carnivore foods, but I've done that as well. And I think there's a lot of different ways to do it. I think uh, the most important thing is to try something and experience it, and you will do very well. And what's nice about our most recent carnivore challenge that we did is that it's part of the group. You're part of the whole tribe that's doing this together, and the strength is really in the group, and, and, and the support is really in the group, and we've had a lot of success. Awesome. Well, I love the fact that you are a board certified cardiologist and now you've kind of transi transitioned into the holistic uh, cardiology, but you just have such a wide spectrum of knowledge. And I want to talk to you because one of the things that I'm seeing, people are kind of emailing in on my regular podcast over and over and over. And they're saying, um, you know, my you know, my blood pressure is high, my cholesterol is high, the doctor is trying to get me on statins and um, trying to get me on cholesterol medicine and just all kinds of different things. Um, talk about where the place is, like when, like for you, at this point, are you ever saying, hey, we're going to put you on a prescription of this? Or are you working on, hey, let's figure out how to get to the root cause first? Well, I certainly am always thinking about root cause and that's very important. Um, but you mentioned kind of a couple different possibilities there where the cardiologist recommends drugs. I never recommend statin drugs uh, any longer. I did so for many years because that's how us cardiologists are trained. We're trained to just write prescriptions all day long, get people out of the office. We're not trained at looking for the cause. Uh, when it comes to blood pressure, I think that there is 
a certain number that is is too high and we need to use pharmaceuticals to get that person maybe out of the danger zone um, and and all the while while we're trying to work on what the cause and we can look at nutrition we can look at different things about lifestyle whether it's physical activity or the importance of sleep and sunshine and and again chemical avoidance pollution avoidance uh, stress reduction techniques all these different things that we can use instead of pharmaceuticals. So that's certainly what my goal is, but I'll tell you, listen, I spent, again, uh, 16, 18 years in the hospital system and the medical education indoctrination uh, brainwashing program where, where all they teach us, again, is about the pharmaceuticals, about the surgeries, about the procedures. They don't teach us about why somebody has high blood pressure, why somebody had a heart attack, why somebody has diabetes, why somebody has autoimmune, why somebody has dementia. So these are the things we want to go after as far as the why, and that's certainly what, what I focus on. And I think that's what makes someone like me uh, obviously very knowledgeable, uh, very credible, is the fact that I spent so many years on that side Mm -hmm. of medicine and now I work over here on the health side and uh, again I think also is that there's so much of this information is in the medical literature but the medical doctor just doesn't read it they just it's just not part of the part of their uh, part of their program I guess now if you a lot of times I've heard doctors say that you know that there's primary hypertension, which hypertension is basically high blood pressure, but that there's no identif identifiable cause of high blood pressure. Like if you said, okay, why, why do I have high blood pressure? That a traditional doctor might say, well, you know, there's two causes. One might say you have primary hypertension where there is actually, uh, we, we don't know what the identifiable identifiable cause is and then there's secondary hypertension where you might say okay well you might have kidney problems thyroid problems some other things do you agree with that or what are your thoughts there yeah that's a great that's a great question so right primary uh, hypertension also sometimes known as essential hypertension that's probably 97 98 percent of cases of high blood pressure are in that category secondary causes are much less common as you mentioned kidney diseases or certain tumors that can release certain hormones that can raise blood pressure this can be an adrenal tumor releasing cortisol uh, aldosterone secreting tumors pheochromocytoma so those are possibilities that are there sleep apnea can be a uh, also a driver of hypertension so maybe that would fall into that secondary class but most people have garden variety like you said, primary hypertension, essential hypertension. It's just most people walking around with high blood pressure. Uh, genetics is not a cause. I want to make that very clear. We can't blame it on our genes because that would mean that 100 million people in the United States that have high blood pressure have bad genes, bad genetics. So I don't believe in the genetic story whatsoever. I believe in everything in our environment, in our lifestyle, is what creates the high blood pressure, the hypertension. So again, the medical doctors are not trained to go after the cause. So the literature is very clear that if you don't sleep enough, if you have poor quality sleep, 
poor duration of sleep, you have higher risk of high blood pressure. If you have less vitamin D, less sunshine exposure, you are more prone to high blood pressure. If you are around air pollution, environmental chemicals and toxins and environmental molds, you have a higher risk of high blood pressure. If you are under mental stress, you have a higher risk of high blood pressure. If you eat certain foods, high sugar foods, uh, um, uh, uh, artificials, uh, quickie carbohydrates, you have a higher risk of high blood pressure. So again, we, we go after the causation of, of what's going on and we can do so, so well when we give people the cause. Because again, the pharmaceuticals can lower numbers down. Like I can lower your numbers down with a blood pressure drug. I can lower your numbers down with a cholesterol drug, but they do very little to change outcomes, heart attack, stroke, and dying. And that's what matters. We don't care what our numbers look like at the end of the day. We care, am I gonna live or die? Am I gonna have a heart attack or a stroke? Am I gonna develop cancer? It's not about those numbers being down artificially with the pharmaceuticals. That is a failed, failed model. And that's why People that are listening to you and I talking about these things are going to reap the tremendous benefits and the people that don't listen to this information, unfortunately, are doomed to suffer the consequences. Now, talk about um, uh, salt being a reason. I remember I had a family member and they had a salt substitute. We were, we were out at a restaurant one time. And they had this like bottle of, it was, I think it was called like no salt or something like that. And they brought it with them. And so they had asked the waitress to make their food with absolutely no salt at all. And then they started, you know, putting this no salt on their food. And they said, oh, my doctor said I have high blood pressure. I can't have any salt at all. What is your take on that? Well, I think there is some evidence that clearly uh, people that consume higher salt diets do have an increased risk of hypertension. That part is definitely true. Uh, I don't think so much that sea salt is the problem, the Himalayans, the Celtic sea salt, the healthy salts. I think they're okay to add in moderation when you're cooking. I think clearly that if you were going to a fast food joint, if you will, and you take your salty fast food fries, then you take the salt shaker and you add more of that uh, synthetic you know, salt, those bleach salts, chemical salts. I think that is clearly a problem. Now in, in your situation, you're talking about a salt substitute. Those are typically potassium chloride type products. So they, they have that salty type of taste, but instead of sodium, they're potassium and potassium actually lowers blood pressure down. So I think it's kind of addition by subtraction. You're removing uh, you know, the, the one which is the sodium chloride and putting in potassium chloride, which has the benefit. So I think that there is some value to that. Now, some of those products do contain MSG and other artificial ingredients. So I don't necessarily recommend those. I recommend eating high potassium foods, things like uh, avocado, you can do uh, sweet potato, and to me, the ultimate in quality food are, are the meats, the eggs, the, the seafood that contain all the nutrients that it took for this animal or this seafood to come to life or the, or the chicken to come to life by, by coming out of the egg. So if you eat an egg, you're, content, you're eating all the, nu the nutrients it takes to form a chicken. It doesn't get any more nutrient dense and beneficial than that. 
You guys, if you've been listening to my podcast, you know I've been talking about Masszymes, which is a digestive enzyme from Bioptimizers. And I want you to know that here's the thing. For me, having a digestive enzyme is a game changer because one of the biggest things that happens to me is I get really tired after my meal if I don't do it. And I have a problem with nutrient absorption. So if you could be eating the cleanest diet ever, but if you're not absorbing it, that's an issue. So this month, they're doing a really great special and you're gonna get a free bottle of the digestive enzymes from my optimizers. And so all you have to do is pay a nominal shipping fee. That's it, no other strings attached. It's the best thing ever. So get your free bottle of digestive enzymes. It's called Masszymes. Go to masszymes.com slash wasteaway free and use the coupon code wasteaway10. That's it. So masszymes.com slash wasteaway free. Use the coupon wasteaway10. It's awesome. Okay, so now let's talk about cholesterol for just a second. And I would say one of the the emails that I'm getting in my podcast over and over and over, it's an absolute, I can't even believe how many people are writing in saying, hey, you know, can you get a doctor in to talk about high cholesterol? I just went to the doctor and, you know, my cholesterol is too high. Um, can, can I have some natural remedies for that? And I know that um, a lot of people are talking about, you know, going vegan. I actually just went to a really nice party at the Cavalier last night. And a guy said to me, he, I, I asked him if he, the, the lady was bringing around some appetizers and it was meat. And she, she said, no, I just watched this movie forks over knives. And I just watched the, uh, I can't even remember the second one that he just watched. And he said, I don't eat meat now. I'm, I'm now vegan. So Talk about that for just a little because that is the vegan or plant-based craze is all the rage and people are really kind of going into that realm. Talk about cholesterol and the plant-based craze going on right now. Yeah, sure thing. And obviously that's, that's kind of a lot uh, to, to get out there and I certainly will endeavor to take on that, uh, that conversation. Uh, first of all, let me, let me address the, the vegan story. Uh, veganism is a, is a, it's a fad. It is a myth. It is incongruent with, with human evolutionary history. That is very clear in anthropology texts, paleontology texts. Um, humans are built to be omnivores. We uh, have been hunter gatherers for, for, millions of years, and all societies in the history of the world have been either meat eaters uh, or seafood eaters. All animals on planet Earth eat other animals or they eat insects. It is the vegan who does none of that. It is an experiment, it is a deprivation. Uh, I, I think it is a horrible, horrible idea to do that. If you are listening to this and you are vegan, I would highly encourage you to, at the very least, eat seafood, eat some wild salmon. If that's all that you do, I think that uh, th that's, that's not bad. Um, vegan is, a, is, again, deprivation, low vitamins uh, and, and, and minerals, low quality fats, very low omega-3, uh, EPA, DHA. You can't get that from eating walnuts and flaxseed. You have to do it by eating seafood. It's just the way we're built. Those films, uh, game 
game changers, forks over knives, China study that is vegan propaganda. Uh, I, and that's all I can really say uh, you know, about it. Um, it's just not, it's just not optimal. We don't, we don't have to tell a lion what to eat, what a tiger what to eat, or a, a cow what to eat. They, they know natively. Why can uh, and, and instinctually? Why can we not understand that the best way to do it is to be a hunter-gatherer and, and in the 21st century? And that's where I've seen the results with my patients for years and years and years, and my personal experience with me personally and with my patients in general. So. Um, I, you know, again, we can talk about that kind of, you know, you know, for an extended period of time. Um, and again, there are, are so many medical doctors that understand this vegan propaganda that's going on. And I think it's a big mistake. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about that. I just remembered it. It was the game changers because I yeah. watched it as well. And it's funny because my son, who's eight years old, came in right at the part where they had those three athletes and they were, they were literally measuring, they put rings on their, the base of their penis and one on the tip. And they were measuring the number of erections that they had. You know, one guy had the, like a beef chicken or pork burrito. And the other one had like a, a bean burrito. And and um, my my, my eight-year-old son walked in, and um, he was like, "Mom, what are you watching?" And so it was just hysterical. And so I was thinking to myself, "So why is that? Let's do. You, can you talk about why that is? That that um, you know why why when they were eating plant-based." were their erections, like, I think it was like a 300% erection increase in the number of erections they were having per night. Uh, again, you know, you can, you can uh, craft the data and get your point out there, however you want to do it. I mean, I mean they're, they're making a movie, they're, they're selling a movie. So whenever it comes to what the reality is, I mean, you know, humans are not, we, we don't eat burritos, okay? So we don't eat burritos that come from, uh, uh, toxic, uh, tortured animal products uh, like, you know, corn-fed beef, uh, 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 you know, you know, uh, confined uh, uh, chickens, unhealthy foods. So that is clearly what one issue may be with, with what you saw right there. Again, it's a burrito. If I take someone who eats free-range grass-fed meats, wild seafood, tons of vegetables, nuts, seeds, eggs, avocados, coconuts, paleo foods, that's the best way for erectile function. That's, that's because that's, that's nature. That's how nature would have it. So if they're, again, these are propaganda films as, as far as I'm concerned. I hate to throw out this analogy out there because it's so polarizing, but I guess if you're sitting in a room and you were, you know, in it's 1940 in Germany and you're watching a, a Nazi film, you're gonna walk out of there thinking, you know what, the Nazis have some you know, good ideas going on. I mean, this is all Nazi propaganda when you spin it that way. Again, uh, cows eat grass, lions and tigers eat mostly carnivore, humans are omnivores, none of which are, were ever vegans. It's just like if somebody came out and said the helium study, uh, it's better to breathe helium than it is to breathe air and oxygen. You would laugh at that person. This is incongruous with, with optimal human health. And dietary studies, though, can be very difficult to do because, again, there's so many different variables. Um, but I, I wrote uh, the, the paleo nutrition chapter on a textbook of integrative cardiology that was just released. I submitted a 40 page document with over 125 resources from the medical literature to support my point. 
So again, we can, I, the, the doctors that were in that movie, we can have a debate. I can pull, you know, Sean Baker in, I can pull Paul Saladino in, I could pull, uh, you know, Boyd Eaton and Lauren Cordain and Bill Schindler and all these different PhDs that are on the uh, carnivore and keto and paleo side. And we can have a nice long debate and we're not going to come to any resolution because they're going to pull their data and we'll pull our data and we'll debate it. But what you can't debate is evolutionary history. So if it worked for humans for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years, why change it? Babies, do babies, should they, I mean, what if there was a study that came out and said soy formula is better than breast milk? You would laugh in their face. <laughs> it's just what humans do. Baby humans have breast milk loaded with saturated fat, loaded with cholesterol. Why, why, why do we have to argue about this? But, but I tell you what though, Chantel, is that there's also so many other factors. We can get lost in this dietary debate uh, listen, follow whatever whatever diet you want to follow. I hope people run out and they get tons of sunshine because before there were ever humans and before there was ever deciding on what to eat, there was the sun. In every version of the study, in every version of the story, the sun came first, whether it's the biblical version, you know, I'm, I, you know, first there was darkness, then there was light. And then sometime later on came Adam and Eve. Evolution, same thing, 15, year, uh, 15 billion years ago, uh, the sun and then the earth is formed approximately 4 billion years ago, and then life on earth started to grow, you know, you know, between 1.5 and 2 billion years ago. All of it happened in the sun. So the sun and the sleep, the, the daylight cycles, are probably more important than all of these little debates that we have about food. Uh, hopefully we can all agree on the fact we need to get more sunshine um, spend more time outdoors in the sun, as scantily clad or as naked as possible, and to make sure we go to sleep with the sun down and awake with the sunrise. And that, I think, also leads to a lot of abnormal blood test values when people say, I'm following this diet, I'm doing incredible on a diet, still my numbers are off. Well, oftentimes, it's a sunshine story, it's a sleep story, it's a stress story, it's a physical activity story, it's an environmental chemical uh, and pollution story. So we need to address all those factors as well. So um, just answer one question for me. So if someone came to you and they had like really, really high cholesterol, let's just say it was just really borderline scary that it, it was up there. Um, you know, a lot of articles would say, you know, switch from eating, you know, meat to eating fish. Um, would you, what would your advice to that person be? Would it be to eat a more paleo diet, continue to eat um, meat, or would it be to substitute some of that meat and chicken and substitute it for fish? Or what would that practical advice be for them who have high cholesterol? Well, my book is called The Paleo Cardiologist. I am the paleo cardiologist, and I'll stick with evolution and mother nature on, on this one. That one, from a nutrition standpoint, paleo nutrition is always the answer, and we can cycle into carnivore, we can cycle into keto, we can even do uh, vegan, you know, like a raw vegan. I'm not, you know, for, for a short period of time, I'm not opposed to that as far as challenging the body, giving the body different, you know, different foods and different challenges. Me, Dr. Jack Wolfson, I'm always two things. I'm always organic and I'm always gluten-free. 
So you may find me eating some uh, dark chocolate covered organic almonds. You may find us making some raw ice cream from, uh, you know, from raw dairy. Uh, you may find us doing those things, but I'm always organic, always gluten-free, spend most of my time as paleo, and then cycle in again, you know, carnivore and, and keto. And that's how I approach my patients. And when they do, they get fantastic results. Awesome. To answer your question about cholesterol is that, you know, I mean, you know, why, why, why does meat contain cholesterol? Why do eggs contain cholesterol? Why does seafood contain cholesterol? Because those animals and those seafoods and those eggs, they make it because that's what the body of that animal needs to function. That's why we make cholesterol. We make it for a reason. Now, cholesterol has been vilified by the pharmaceutical companies, and then in turn with the doctors, is this bad thing. But if it's so bad, why does my body make cholesterol? Well, cholesterol is in every single cell, in the cell membrane, for example, and that controls what gets into the side, what gets inside of the cell, what stays outside of the cell, how cells talk to each other, how cells communicate with hormones and different things that are coming in. So we need cholesterol in that cell membrane. Our brain is heavily filled up with cholesterol. Uh, vitamin D comes from cholesterol. Cholesterol is coursing through the skin, running through the, the arteries and veins of the skin. The sun hits it and turns it into vitamin D. People with the highest levels of vitamin D have the lowest risk of everything. So we need cholesterol to form that vitamin D. Most people that are listening, sex is important to them in their lives. And where do the sex hormones come from? Testosterone, progesterone, uh, estrogen, they all come from cholesterol. Cholesterol is what is needed to form all those. Our digestion, liver, gallbladder, bile salts, bile acids, that's all filled with cholesterol. So ultimately, we need cholesterol to perform all of these body functions. So we need to give the body the food it needs to get the job done. And then finally on this thought, uh, total cholesterol as measured in the blood is actually a very poor predictor of cardiovascular risk, heart attacks, strokes, dying from cardiovascular disease. What we find actually is that as we get older, the people with the highest levels of cholesterol have the lowest risk of dying. So that's a good thing when I see somebody in their 70s with quote unquote high cholesterol. That's actually very protective for again, all the reasons that we said and all the benefits of cholesterol. But what I like to do with all of my patients is do the most advanced lipid testing in the world. So again, total cholesterol doesn't tell us much, LDL, uh, doesn't tell us much. HDL tells us a little bit, but we want to find out advanced particle analysis. So we want to know about the number of LDL particles, the size of those particles, the size and the function of the HDL particles. The, that Those are the things that really matter and the ratios there really help to determine risk. But we've known since the 1970s that total cholesterol is actually a very, a very poor predictor. And in fact, People with the lowest levels of cholesterol total below 160 have a higher risk of dying than those people between 160 and 260. So we want to find the perfect number for you and for everybody listening, and that's what uh, you know cardiologists like me uh, do. But uh, sadly, most cardiologists that people see are just uh, pill pushers, and it's just hey, you're you're uh, you're 50 years old living on planet Earth. 
here's your statin drug. It's very sad. What about heart palp palpitations? I've seen some questions come through where people are saying, you know, I've gone to the doctor, my heart's fine. I don't, you know, have high blood pressure. I don't have all these other things, but I'm having just random heart palpitations. What are some of the causes for that? And what could be some possible, you know, root causes of that? Yeah, well, you know, uh, palpitations is something I write a lot about. I wrote a lot about in my book, and I write about it in my blog, because you're right, it is definitely a pain point for a lot of people that experience uh, heart skipping, heart flipping, or a thud, or racing heart feelings. And and the, the, the reason for that, from a heart standpoint, can be a lot of different things. It could be atrial fibrillation, it could be PACs, premature atrial complexes, premature ventricular complexes, uh, different forms of, of supraventricular tachycardias that they can be, or sometimes it's nothing. Now me, what I like to do is we sell something in our office called the Zeo patch, and it's a little patch that goes right here above the heart, and it looks at every single heartbeat for, uh, uh, for two weeks. It also comes with a diary. So number one, let's see exactly what we're dealing with. Is it something? Is it nothing? Is it something serious? Is it something not serious? And then after that, when we determine what it is, now we want to go after what the cause is. So therefore, we can look at things like intracellular magnesium, intracellular potassium, and also cellular levels of omega-3, for example, amongst many other tests that we can talk about. But this goes back to the vegan story. The vegan does not get the EPA and DHA into their cells and their cell membranes. So now you get cellular irritability. People with the highest levels of omega-3, EPA, DHA have the lowest risk of a lot of these heart rhythm issues. Um, and again, the, the vegan doesn't do it. So I'm not so worried about the vegans that are listening to this. It's a very small percentage of the population. Um, Kind of, you know, being vegan to bash on that again, a lot of people do it and they're just high sugar, high carbs. And these are all very, very pleasurable foods. They release dopamine in the brain, serotonin in the brain, all these happy hormones in the brain. Uh, and it's, it's like a drug is what it is. So, and you find people overdose. Like Chantel, I could tell, uh, you know, I, I could ask you, and I know me personally, if you sit me down with a bowl of rice, I will not stop eating until all the rice is gone and then I'll want some other carb. If you put me in front of the ice cream, I'm not gonna stop. I tell this story very famously about my wife and my wife, you know, she's pregnant the first time and she says, Jack, go to, um, uh, go to the grocery store and get me uh, pints of ice cream. I want a pint of Strauss's, uh, 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 you know, which is free range grass fed ice cream, best ice cream in the world that's pasteurized but store-bought ice cream. So it's, it's a uh, container, you give me a container of chocolate, container of vanilla, and a container of strawberry. Classic stuff, right? So I go to the grocery store, I bring it back, it's after dinner, and she's gonna, she takes like a teaspoon of the chocolate, and a teaspoon of the vanilla, and a teaspoon of the strawberry. And then she's like, good, okay, feel good, four months pregnant, I'm going to bed. And then she goes, she wakes up the next, you know, she wakes up the next morning, and she goes to the freezer and she's like, you know what, I'm in a mood, I'm in the mood for a little bit of vanilla ice cream again. I'm like, okay, no, you know, listen, she's pregnant and stuff like that, you know, uh, enjoy. And she goes to the freezer and what happens, Chantal, when she gets there? She opens up the freezer and guess what? There's nothing there because I, Dr. Jack Wolfson, circa 2007, ate every bit of the ice cream. It was gone because I'm a carb junkie like anybody else is, and I'm a recovering carb junkie. 
So the point is, A, don't have it in the house. And it's just to kind of highlight that these vegan foods that are just so high in carbs tend to be so high in sugar. It's just not the answer. You go for satiating. I mean, there, there is no more nutrient-dense food in the entire world than a whole sardine or uh, an oyster or uh, grass-fed beef liver or chicken liver. It doesn't get any better than that. And, and my little, uh, my little two-year-old right here, she's kind of bouncing around the room right now. She decided to join the, the conversation. If I give her liver, if I give her uh, a, a dehydrated heart uh, tissue, um, uh, she loves it. She'll gobble it up like crazy. And if I try and give her like oatmeal, she doesn't even know what that is. I mean, so babies instinctually go for nutrient dense foods and so should humans. All right, last question. Um, let's talk about resting heart rate. Another thing that I'm hearing people say is that their resting heart rate is higher than normal. Um, when they're working out, they're getting kind of past their, their um, you know, where the, the number is that you should be at. And that maybe instead of like between 60 and 100 beats per minute, um, when they're relaxed or just sitting still, their resting heart rate's more like at 130 or, or 140 just while they're sitting. What, what are some of the factors that could be involved in that? Uh, well, you know, there's a lot of different factors when it comes into you know, heart rate. And clearly, if their pulse is higher, it can mean a lot, a lot, a lot of different things. But clearly, I would say you know, different um, uh, you know, food sensitivities, food toxicities, all that stuff can play, can play a role. Um, I would look at, you know, all these other factors, you know, mold, are they being exposed to mold? What is their sleep like? What is their sunshine like? Again, what is their diet like when it comes to higher heart rates? Certainly as we exercise and we're physically active, heart rates should naturally come down. Uh, also things like, you know, meditation, yoga, tai chi, things that balance the, the, that parasympathetic, sympathetic autonomic nervous system. We wanna make sure that that is in balance and that's, and that's very important, but again, Oftentimes we need to do some kind of a heart monitor to determine what is actually going on, uh, and, and and we can fix that. There's also some supplements too, I, you know, for to lower heart rate down uh, a little bit and boosting up parasympathetic tone. I like lithium products. Um, we sell a product called Lyzyme um, uh, from Biotics Research. That's a great lithium product. They actually they take the lithium, which used to be in the soil, and now it's not. And, we, and they put it into the soil, they grow it up into a plant, harvest it and put it into a tablet. That's a great product. Um, and, then, uh, you know, and then again, just other strategies to help to, you know, to, to boost the autonomic nervous system and balance that parasympathetic, sympathetic. that's what's key. And let's just end with finishing with how can regular fasting kind of benefit your cardiovascular system as a whole? Well, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of different benefits to fasting. Uh, for, for cardiovascular health and wellness, starting with uh, cholesterol levels. So, uh, you know, the liver makes cholesterol, uh, the majority of the cholesterol in the body. So we want to give the liver a chance to rest. Um, and that's what fasting can do. Uh, fasting gives the liver a chance to rest. So it's no longer processing food and it's able to kind of process what's going on in the body. And the liver actually does a lot, a lot, a lot of different things. It's an amazing organ. And one of the things the liver does is it clears out old cholesterol 
by clearing out LDL particles and HDL particles. So if we give the liver the time to be able to clear out the old stuff, then we remove that from circulation and we find the perfect cholesterol, LDL, HDL for each one of us and each one of us is different. And fasting allows us to do that, to kind of reset the whole system, to allow the body again to finally have time to repair itself. Our ancestors, as paleo hunter-gatherer ancestors, they weren't eating three meals a day, five meals a day, six meals a day, or some people are just eating all day long. And that's where fasting can come in, however you want to do it, whether it's a 24-hour fast or 36-hour fast or extended fasts. I think that there is value for all of those. And I love this 36 hour where you have dinner on Saturday night and then nothing but water all day long, Sunday, Sunday night, and then Monday morning you break it. So that's a 36 hour. I think that's a great way to go. Uh, clearly fasting is proven to lower blood sugar down, which is great for cardiovascular risk. Fasting is proven to lower inflammation as well. Uh, and these are all very important when it comes to really looking at somebody's uh, heart risk. So I think fasting has a great role there. And I, I use it with my patients uh, and, uh, and, and we're getting great results. I think it's all part of the whole big program. I don't think it's the only thing, of course. I think that uh, I think it's part of the solution. Awesome. Well, tell listeners where they can follow you and find your work. Uh, you got it. So um, uh, my wife and I are the Doctors Wolfson, and that is our website, thedoctorswolfson.com. And Doctors is abbreviated DRS, so check us out over there. Of course, we're on Facebook uh, at the Doctors Wolfson, and then also I've got a private group called Natural Heart Doctor. So if you're interested in really in-depth holistic heart health information, head on over to Natural Heart Doctor and join us in there. We've got just excellent science, excellent information, and again, it's a good. It's a, we've got about 2,000 people in there right now and it's a great group of camaraderie where you can kind of ask these questions and, and the group helps to support you uh, just like in the old tribal days so awesome. that's where people and of course my book Amazon bestseller the paleo cardiologist the natural way to heart health uh, you can check it out on Amazon or uh, even from uh, our website as well awesome well you are so much fun to talk to thank you so much for being on the show today we really appreciate it thank you so much Chantel my pleasure all right, stay tuned for our next episode. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.